Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. And a warm welcome to Wellness with Lizelle. Now, regular listeners will know that here we often chat about midlife, the menopause and beyond. Well, today we are going back a step and talking more about fertility and baby making matters, including IVF, as well as looking at women's health in later life too. So hopefully something for everyone for yourself and perhaps other younger family members too. And with me to discuss all is Emma Cannon, a fertility and women's health expert with over 20 years clinical experience, helping countless women achieve their dream of having a family. She's the author of five books, including the best-selling The Baby Making Bible and Fertile, and she treats women seeking relief from difficult symptoms during pregnancy, postpartum, the menopause, during cancer treatment, and with a wonderful mind-body approach, Emma offers acupuncture, nutritional advice, diagnostic testing and support through assisted fertility treatments. So welcome, Emma. Oh, it's That's lovely a to lot. be here. <laughs> <laughs> you are busy, busy. So what led you to be a fertility expert in the beginning? Yeah, it's an interesting question. I mean, it's one of those right place, right time. I was working with um, a wonderful doctor, Tim Evans, um, in Wandsworth at the time, and we sort of set up, it was probably one of the first integrated clinics. And um, I was working with doctors and specialists there, and, and I'd always wanted to work with medicine. Working in what capacity? Um, I was working as an acupuncturist. And mm. um, what I found when working with the doctors is it was much better to give them one message about what I did. Instead of saying, oh, I can treat everything, I thought, well, I think it'd be easier for them if I just tell them a few, you know, a couple of things that I'm good at. So I said, send me all your women that are trying to conceive. And we'd had a paper out, um, and that there was a paper that was published, it was a German paper that was demonstrating that acupuncture was um, raised the chances of IVF being successful by something like 20, 25%. So it was really groundbreaking at the time. And so there was a growing interest in the role of acupuncture. Um, so I went to them and said, there's been this amazing study. I think what's really interesting is if it can help during IVF, what can it do outside of that? And you know, a lot of the people that we're seeing who are struggling to conceive aren't necessarily infertile, but they're subfertile. And I believe that if we look at their lifestyle and change their diet and, you know, that with a number of those women that will, those couples that will will be able to have success and we did so that's where it started so you talk about sub fertility is that on the increase do you think 
Yes, I think it is. And, and, and it is, is really important to make a definition because there's infertility where we know what the cause is. And then there's this whole other category of subfertility where it's likely to be a myriad of small things. So it might be something on the male side, something on the female side, like irregular cycles or, you know, it can be very small things that add up to one big thing. Mm. And I think that wellness really, really addresses this very well. And it's a huge area in infertility yeah. or subfertility. Are, are women leaving it later? Is there such a thing as a, as a ticking clock? Yep, absolutely. As we get older, it's, it's more difficult for us to conceive, but it, it definitely isn't the only issue. It's definitely the issue that the, the papers focus on a lot tell me about it I mean I had a baby I was nearly 48 when I had my last oh, baby it's amazing you know so yeah um, and I wasn't even trying uh so yeah it just shows that it, it can and, and yeah. does happen but if you read the Daily Mail of course you'd think that anybody over absolutely the age of 30 is yeah and it. you get to 38 and your fertility just drop, you know dies off a cliff yeah. I mean having your was it your fifth or he was my fifth yeah so having and your last definitely know, last yeah. Having your fifth at 48, that's just, I mean, what a miracle. That's such a, that's yeah, so lovely. Truly. It is very different from having your first at 48. Yes. So that, that there is a difference that's there. True. And I wouldn't want to give the message that that's no. normal. That, no. that is, it's extraordinary, but it's not, um, yeah. it's, it's not that unusual, not as unusual as the Daily Mail will have, have you believe. I think what irritates me about that kind of, oh, she left it too late, is that A, all the onus is on the woman when mm. obviously fertility is a two-way thing. So behind every woman who supposedly left it too late, there might be a man that was reluctant to get tested or the mm -hmm. relationship broke down, just a really critical point. But actually one of the major causes of um, infertility is women who aren't ovulating at all. And of course that can happen to women in their 20s mm. and it's increasingly happened with these very extreme lifestyle that we're seeing right so yeah. is that things like restricted eating yeah and, so, and over exercise and over exercise so when you fail to ovulate do you then stop having periods is that a yeah. sign of it yeah okay uh, so that, that's could, how you'd know yeah or you can have you know you could have something slightly before that where you you are still pe having periods but you're not necessarily regularly ovulating but one of the growing areas that I'm seeing in clinic who the women whose periods have stopped altogether mm. and it is usually and I'm, I'm not going to pick out one diet but you know there are a couple that yeah <laughs> that it does seem to happen with and it, you know it's 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 loss of body fat right. through over exercise hypothalamic amenorrhea we call it so it's the hypothalamus, which is part of the brain that controls hormones, is exhausted, basically, and starts right. functioning properly. Gosh, and, yeah. and you're saying that at what sort of age would you typically well, the, see it? I mean, I, 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 this it might not be the absolute norm, it might just be mm. my demographic, mm -hmm. but I'm seeing a lot of women in their sort of mid to late 20s coming in with that problem. Right. Um, and um, they're overworking, they're under-eating, they're over-exercising, typically. Mm. I remember back in the day when I had my first, Lily, who's now 28, there was this organisation called Foresight. Yes. And it was, I remember signing up and, and, you know, supporting them for many, many years because they seemed to be the only organisation that was looking at nutrition yeah. and eating well to have a healthy pregnancy. Do they still exist? Sure. I, I was wondering about this the other day. I know that they used to be down in West Sussex near my yes. mother because they were right near where I grew up, actually. And I know that they're not there anymore, but they probably, I don't know whether they maybe do exist. Maybe they've morphed in, into yeah, something they, else. Yeah, maybe they have, but they were definitely the forerunners in all of mm. this stuff. They did the hair analysis, they would look at heavy 
metals, things like that. Mm. Yeah, really great. What about analysis? Can you pick up nutritional deficiencies through things like that? Is that something that I don't you would use do? Hair anal- I don't use hair analysis, no, but we do use traditional blood tests and things like that. And what would you look for in we'll those? Look what? For, for vitamin D particularly. Really? And thyroid function and um, also um, um, essential fatty acid, omega-3, that sort of thing. Look at whether that's good. But vitamin D, really, really important, particularly in this country. Um, we tend to be deficient in that. Yeah. And how would that affect fertility? It just is one of the factors that can, you know, can lead to you not conceiving. Right. Um, and the thyroid as well is often really overlooked. And of course, the thyroid is this orchestrator, really. So that that can be overlooked as well. So that'd be one of the starting points then, would it? Would be to do a, a blood screening and see what you might be low in. Yeah, I mean, we don't always. It really depends. It's amazing how different every consultation is mm. and people come at different stages. So some people come and they're quite far along in their journey and they've had a lot of that stuff already looked at. And some people come and they're very very fresh to it so I, I definitely do do tests I'm not someone that relies heavily on tests mm. I think um, as a, my my original training was Chinese medicine so I tend to use my um, diagnostic skills in that way and then if I think a test is necessary then I will instruct a test because in a way it's really easy to get someone to spend oh go and spend 600 pounds on te-. you know what Gosh, I mean but actually yeah. it's much better to use your intuition and to 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 observe yeah. and then say actually I think you need to do this test and of course with Chinese medicine you're looking at really interesting ways of screening aren't you do you think do things like tongue yeah, yeah, analysis yeah. so what, yeah. what what do you look for in somebody's tongue oh god you know what it's so I go back to it all the time I mean I've studied many different things since I studied Chinese medicine but I, I go back to it every day and every day I am in awe of it because I can pick up something. So, for example, had somebody in the other day and this has happened many times in my career where I've looked at their tongue it'd be after a miscarriage. They've had a procedure to remove the products of, of the birth and I look at their tongue and I think, something not quite right still you know and so I'll uh, underneath the tongue you can see the veins they might be very engorged or I might see purple patches on the tongue um, and that tells me that there's still some blood stagnation within the system now given that they've just had a, a, a termination or they've just had a miscarriage you know you put two and two together and think I think it's worth going back and having another look and this can be the difference between them being successful and it taking another That's year or so. Yeah, I know. So what should yeah. a healthy tongue look like then? I mean, if we go into the mirror and stick our tongues out, what should we be looking for? <laughs> um, it should be a nice pink colour, nice mm-hmm. and fleshy, no teeth marks down the side, um, fine coating, but not, not a thick coating. We look at things like cracks, so it's it's interesting to see where the cracks are, also discoloration. Um, some A lot of the tongues that I see in clinic are quite purple, or they're quite mauve, and that denotes a sort of emotional stagnation and uh, an emotional disturbance, which of course there's lots of in infertility. So it's that frustration, um, not getting where we want to be getting, um, so I see that's a lot so of fascinating tons, yeah. and furriness. Do we get furry Yeah, that's tongues? obviously from the digest from the digestion. So I right. look at that, and then I can see what color. If it's very yellow or brown, it tells me there's too much heat in the body. Um, if it's very white, it tells me the body's too cold. Very interesting for fertility because we like the body to be warm but not too hot. Um, <laughs> that is really fascinating. I remember we we had the lovely Jasmine Hemsley here. Yeah, and she scrapes, she was she? talking about the tongue scraping. Is that something that we should I be don't doing? Like do you tongue think? scraping. 
scraping because no, well you're yes. scraping off all the diagnosis yes, then, aren't you? I can't tell. <laughs> so um so yeah you can do it after you've been to see me. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> um, and what else do you use? Do you use things like taking Pulse. pulses and yeah. what would that tell you as an acupuncturist? Um again it's it's you never take one symptom in and of itself. So if I saw something on the tongue, I would never say, Oh, you need to go and check for products, retain products of birth. I'd put it together with the history, the observation from the pulse. And also just the questioning. So it's like being a little detective. You have to put together all the symptoms which make up the whole picture. Um, and of course, now I put into that the blood tests and modern techniques like scanning and things like that. So I'm very uh, integrated in my mm. clinic and my approach. I don't, I love Chinese medicine, but I don't just rely on it anymore. I, I bring in all the other diagnostic skills that we have at our and disposal. What drew you to Chinese medicine in the first place? A woman sitting on a tube. Really? <laughs> um, well, I'd been made redundant in the 80s from my oil business job. I mean, it just seems like a whole other... Wow, that uh, is a whole other world, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, <laughs> it was the 80s. We had pot shoulder pads and you know yeah. how it was. Yeah, I do. And no one really... You couldn't say energy. No one understood that. Chi, forget it. You mm. know, all of these things that now... You and I are like, yes, we're out. We're allowed to talk about these things. <laughs> and then it were people. My mother thought I was a, said to me, "You've always been a bit of a tree, dear." <laughs> oh, yeah, too much woo woo. Yeah, really. exactly. So, but what appealed to me? Well, I was literally. I'd just been made redundant. I had some money. I'd been to San Francisco. I spent six months in San Francisco. Had my eyes wide open to wellness. Um, sat in on the forerunners of things like the Hoffman, who were talking about all of all of that sort of emotional psychological stuff um I I just it just made sense to me for the first time in my life I think I felt like a fish out of water mm. until did you point. have any health issues that took you there yourself well my father died when I was 16 and I don't think I'd grieved properly so I came to London drinking smoking partying joined an oil this oil company got paid quite well carried on partying just every I think every autumn I would come down with this terrible chest infection and be laid out now the first time I went to an act so I met this woman on a on a, on a mm. tube and she said to me um I have a message for you dear you must look really? to the east literally like that oh, like, just out of the blue you're yes, sitting there minding your own business like that. I always get this sort of weird stuff <laughs> so the universe <laughs> giving me a little message and I had been looking into things like acupuncture I didn't know what direction and I am, a, even then when I didn't even know what the spiritual signs were, you know, about those mm. sorts of things now. But even then, I think I thought, well, it's as good a, <laughs> it's as, good a nudge as any. <laughs> so I, I then started looking into Chinese medicine. And I found this book called The Web That Has No Weaver. Amazing book. It's still, I think it's still really relevant today. And he talks about how the book of Western medicine, by the very nature of science, is always being rewritten. It's not something that's static. Um, and a bit because of, because of what science believes yeah, today, uncover new things proves, all the time. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And so that there was every chance that it could incorporate things like acupuncture into it. And I don't know. This was like a, a, one of those moments where it just lit me up, and I just thought that's what I want to do. I want to look into this old system of medicine, and I want to make it more accessible in to modern people. And I have. I've spent my career really doing that. Um, so you trained in acupuncture first? So I trained you? in acupuncture first. Mm. And interestingly, I went and had some acupuncture. It's amazing how many people train in it have never had it. I find that really weird. Anyway, uh, I um, I went and had some acupuncture from this woman and she took my pulse she, she, uh, and she looked at my tongue and she said, have you had a great grief in your life? 
And I said, yes, I, I, my father died when I was 16. She stuck the needles in me and she put one in this point called lung seven. I passed out cold. This isn't common, just <laughs> typical me though. So I passed out cold and she sort of took the needles out and said, I, I'm not sure that acupuncture is for you, dear. And I sort of went, on the contrary, you know, that was amazing. I sort of left my body and, you know, had this huge shift. And over the, the coming days, I, I would find myself just with tears pouring down my eyes. It was like it unlocked the grief in me. It accessed the grief and it unlocked the grief in me. And it opened up a part of me that I'd shut down. Mm. I, I thought it was amazing. Um, and so that's what kind of got me hooked, really. What a profound experience. Yeah. And do you find that with your clinic now? Because presumably women will be coming to you going through the grieving process, having had multiple miscarriages yeah. or losing children. They don't pass out, luckily. They don't, <laughs> they don't pass but out. Is that something that you have to cope with? Sort of yes. Over the, the block of grief? Yes. And I think sometimes people come to me and they're holding on so tightly mm. and they come and they come to a safe environment and I know it sounds weird, but I, you know, I talk to them for a long time and I put pins in them. And, uh, and on some level, it helps them to access the emotional aspects as well. Because I don't, I'm sure you don't either, but I don't think our emotional and physical bodies are separate. No, the, the so. brain is controlling a lot, isn't it? Yeah. It's the kind of the yeah. master organ, as is the gut. Yeah, exactly. Do you work with gut health yep. and fertility? Absolutely. I think it's absolutely central. Yeah. I mean, if you've got inflammation in the gut, it's going to, you know, everything is crammed in there. Yeah. It's all very close. Yes. <laughs> so if you've got inflammation in there, that's going to impact on the di the, the reproductive system. Of course it in is. In fact, yeah. it's really interesting. I do this diagnostic where I look at, at the the gait of the person, so I get them to stand on their side and I call it the duck posture. It was taught to me by um, Viva Ma, um, Dr. Stossier, because oh, yes. I, I train with him every year. So so it's, um, so they have a kind of duck posture where their bottom is sticking out and they've got a concave back. Yes. And it's he describes it as because there's so much inflammation in the gut that the reproductive system is sort of trying to move away from it. Um, and it's fascinating. really fascinating because when you get the gut function better yeah. the gait changes and you get a sort of more flattened... and you're standing up up straighter or with yeah. proper posture so what yeah. would you say then would be the first course of action for somebody wanting to improve their gut health well we have a program in the clinic called body mind gut and it's also a chapter in my book fertile for people who can't mm. come to the clinic um and yeah we just look at uh, eliminating things and then so what would uh, you take them. out i think it really depends on the individual so right. um you know we might take well obviously sugars yes you know that's a that's a big one yeah. and then i would use my diagnostics so it's a sort of a combination of nutritional approaches mm. but also the chinese medicine mm -hmm. so i'm not a nutritionist right um, but i'm a chinese medicine practitioner so they see the nutritionist and then they see me so she might give them the the standard sort of what what's agitating the system we, we yeah. simplify the diet first of all but not the aim is not to simplify the diet long term it's only in the short term um introduce fermented foods in women unless they have high histamine levels because i think sometimes if there's high histamine levels having too much fermented food yeah and there's a link with migraine isn't there and things like that Abs with fermented foods yeah but absolutely I'm, I'm a great fan of eating things like sauerkraut and yeah kimchi and drinking kombucha um you yeah know, i think that's all that's all very helpful and things like kefir yeah absolutely i had right. one this morning <laughs> oh did you excellent yeah. good um, <laughs> but um but i know from the viva maya model we say if you're very high in histamine sometimes mm. that's not helpful in the short term so, I think so the viva depends. maya clinic is is interesting if anybody hasn't come yeah. across it i've, I've been a, a couple of times actually to the original one and yeah then, and then to the newer one so the practices in in 
simplest form is you rest your digestion, isn't that yeah. right? So you eat things like tiny little hard spelt rolls yeah, to teach you, you to chew chew for 30 <laughs> times yeah before swallowing and fermented sheep's milk yogurt yeah and i think a little bit of sort of mashed potato warm mashed potato that's yeah. just very easy to digest so everything is about resting and calming yeah and you eat in silence yeah. And it's just a very sort of meditative switch off process yeah. that resets your digestion. Yeah. And I think it fits quite well with my Chinese medicine philosophy. Um, I think um, I think it's a really good idea to rest the digestive system. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, we most of the diseases we suffer from in the West are, are overconsumption. Yeah. Obviously, as we talked about earlier, there's people at the other end of the spectrum that aren't eating enough. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's never just one thing. Yes. Um, but I think, you know, there is a lot of overconsumption. Yeah. And snacking. I mean, snacking is not something we would have done until no. the 60s. I mean, that we always seem to have something on the go, don't we? And I've, I've been trying intermittent fasting. Yes, me too. Where, well, so I'll, I'll tell you what I do and then you tell me what yeah. you do. So I do a 12 to 14 hour gap every day. So I try to have... 12 to 14 hours from last mouthful to first mouthful. So that means finishing eating at, you know, nine o'clock in the evening, maybe, and then not having anything until 11 or 12, like brunch. So it's basically missing breakfast, yeah. essentially. And I find that works for me. I feel more energetic. And talking to experts like Professor Tim Spector of the British Gut yeah. Project, he would say that that rests our microbiome and it rests the microbes and it gives them that much needed time to repair and restore. Yeah. So what do you do in terms very of your similar. fasting? Do I know, you? And I know Tim too. Yeah, I mean, very, very similar. I mean, I probably stop eating a bit earlier. Yeah. Um, and um, But yes, 14 hours, something like that. Yeah. Um, and then I, I break it with hot water and lemon. Mm -hmm. um, and then I eat normally. And actually, for me, I sort of realized that it's actually how I would like to eat. I'd like to eat just two meals a day. Yeah. I mean, I've always felt that we spend far too much time eating. Yeah. I mean, two meals a day is fine. I mean, we're conditioned to get up and almost have breakfast. But actually, you do feel more energetic. For me, it was a mental thing, getting over yeah. that fact of must get up and eat something. Yeah. And actually, you don't need to because you've just been in bed asleep digesting a huge meal from the night before. Yeah. I'm much better at sitting down and having a good lunch now. Yes. Um, I think for many years I didn't do that. I would force myself to have breakfast I didn't really want and then probably work on through my lunch break or just eat a sandwich standing up. Mm. And I don't do that now because I have much more reverence towards my lunch because it's very <laughs> I important. I like that, a reverential yes. lunch. <laughs> exactly. So, um, and, and it's an age thing with me as well. Mm -hmm. I've slowed down a bit, uh, you know, I want, you know, well, sort of. But, you know, I, in those sorts of lifestyle things I have, mm. so I do make space. Um, and I think that's really important. And so many of the problems that I see in clinic are by a, from a faulty digestion or stem yeah. from the digestive system. Yeah. Um, and what, what do you focus on in terms of recommending foods to be eating, to, you know, to positively be adding into the diet for fertility? Um, well, really, the, the, from a science point of view, from the research point of view, and you know how difficult it is to do any kind of research on nutrition, and this is such an interesting area, I find, because so much of what's talked about with nutrition is not science-based or it's just... No, you know, or it has vested interest behind yes, it. Yes, exactly, exactly. But the diet that comes out all the time is the, um, is the Mediterranean diet. So I think pulses are really important. M most of your plates should be plant-based. I think if you eat meat, a uh, small amount, like a, like a condiment. You know, my mm. philosophy about meat is it should be a, the smallest, it should be like a condiment on the plate rather than 
a slab of meat a with a tiny steak. bit, you know. Yeah. Um, so last night I had one lamb chop, but I had a huge pile of really delicious spring yeah. greens with it yeah. and a small amount of grain. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so the meat would be the smallest amount on the plate. But you're not anti-grain. Um, um, no, I'm not. Some people, some people don't do well on it, um, mm. but some people are okay with it. So, yeah. but I'm not generally anti-grain, no. And fish and, and eggs fish and cheese and, and dairy. all of that. Yeah. yeah. In people who I would diagnose as too much dampness in the body, so they might be polycystic ovaries patients, or they might have repeat STIs and things like that, or cystitis. There's a diagnostic category called too much dampness and with those people I would take them off dairy probably and I would take permanently them off or... um depends how, yeah. how quickly they improve how can you tell whether you're a damp person <laughs> um from the pulse okay so the pulse is what is weak uh, is... it would be slippery and they would have um they might gain weight easily they might have a lot of water retention they might have polycystic ovaries there's a couple of characters, there's a few categories. Polycystic ovaries in and of itself doesn't mean that you would be have too much dampness. But I might see it on the tongue. Or somebody might be lactose intolerant. Yes. Um, so I think that, you know, actually a small amount of dairy in people that can tolerate it mm. is okay. But our natural state is to be dairy intolerant, I believe. Mm. It's just that some people have developed an, an ability to be able to process it. Like alcohol. Yeah. You know, I think our natural state is that we can't process alcohol. But it's Although so fascinating. I mean, we, well, I mean, we mentioned Tim Spector earlier yeah. on, and, you know, he is very much of the view, having studied all these genetics with his twins projects and then going on to lead the British Gut Project, is that it's so individual. Yes. There is really no one-size-fits-all, and, and you can't be prescriptive. And you yeah. have to sort of get to understand how your body works and what works for you and what's working. I mean, we're being controlled by our microbes. So what our microbes are needing yeah. um, or able to tolerate. Yeah. Hey, everyone. It's Jen and Jess from the beauty podcast, Fat Mascara, here to talk about Sol de Janeiro. So many of the beauty experts we interview on our show say that the key to great skin is to treat every inch of your body with the same attention you give your face. One of our favorite ways to do that is with Sol de Janeiro's Beja Flor Elastic Cream, a rich body cream that's clinically proven to boost collagen and has been shown to improve skin crepiness on the chest in just two weeks. Plus, it's scented with Sol de Janeiro's Charosta 68 fragrance. Sol de Janeiro is offering you 10% off your first order on soldejanero.com and free shipping with the code ACAST10. That's S-O-L-D-E-J-A-N-E-I-R-O, soldejanero.com and use the code ACAST10 for 10% off. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit get 30, bit get 20, 20, 20, bit get 20, 20, bit get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. And it's funny because Tim's work, it, 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 it isn't exactly the same as Chinese medicine, but when I've spoken to him, a lot of it, there are so many parallels. And in, in, you know, because there's a certain truth in these things. And Chinese medicine have always said everybody is different. So if someone comes to me with endometriosis, for example, the next person could also come in with endometriosis. It would be an entirely different approach. Really? Yeah, because with one person it might be, um, more genetic with another person it might be more lifestyle or stress 
you know, you've got to kind of hone in to what is actually going on for that person. Mm. Some people deal with stress really, really well. Other people, it's a killer. Yes. Well, I think the whole role of hormones and cortisol, and we're hearing more about the cortisol steal, Mm -hmm. where the cortisol is just that our stress, we're so stressed that it's stealing from our other hormones. Absolutely. And presumably that's affecting fertility as well. Yes, and I talk about this a lot because I really believe that we would have been designed to have children when we felt safe and if oh, we're that's pumped, interesting. yeah because you know if, you, if you're going to have to run away from a tiger or there aren't going to be enough calories available fertility is a peripheral need for the body obviously as a species we need it a it was never meant to be that easy for humans to have babies because of all of the mammals we spend so much time bringing them up so you want to make sure it's a good one you want to make sure you're safe it's a good time to have a baby and you want to make sure there's enough calories available. So if any of these triggers... So if you're not off, eating enough, yeah, if you're under stress stops, and you're not feeling safe, yeah, your body is, is going to, to shut down. That's really fascinating. And I believe that what happens is then you start, you, you're living off your cortisol and your, your yeah. adrenaline. And that's the fight or flight, as you know. Yeah. And what we want you to be in is we want you to be in feed or breed. You know? So how do we get so into simple. feed and feed or breed? Pin stuck in you by me. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, um, I've I've created, and somebody asked me this about five years ago. What is it that you think that you do that makes a difference? And actually, when I really thought about it, I said I think I I help create a feeling of safety, mm. and I do that in a number of ways. In my book, it, it's very positive. It's about how do we become more fertile in our lives? So that's this sort of idea of abundance rather than this barren thinking and this fear, lack of thinking. Mm-hmm. So there's a kind of positive messaging that we do, we put into our brains. Are we constantly on Google, scaring the living daylight side yeah, of ourselves? Totally. Or are we choosing to, to you know, look at it in a more to positive live abundantly. way? Yeah. That's a very interesting choice of words, you know, barren. Yeah, I know. And lacking. Yeah. That these are words that can really resonate, can't they, with women who've been told they've got fertility issues. I was really scared to use the word barren because I thought mm. it would be really triggering and affronting. But because it's a word that we don't use in society anymore, actually, I it's people have taken it really well. Um uh, because obviously I'm always conscious of being part of the solution and not part of the problem. And the last thing I want to do is, you yeah. know, trigger people and upset them because everything I do is from a place of kindness and wanting to help them. But so I did really um and ah about these words, but I wanted to get that that real feeling about like, where is how fertile is your life? You know, the soil, you know, the food that you eat, the the, the stuff that you expose your mind to, mm-hmm. your microbes. You know, how, what is the soil of your life? And for me, that, that is at the very heart of, of being fertile. And, and I'm seeing it a lot in this generation in that they, they haven't really ever failed at anything. Like, we messed up all the time in our generation. Yeah. We made millions of mistakes. <laughs> and you learn from them. Yes. Now, when I started this job, my job was really educating women in their early 40s, because that's the only people that doctors would send me, you know, that um, perhaps drinking a bottle of Chardonnay and eating a packet of Haribo's didn't really constitute a, a fertile <laughs> <Well> diet. <laughs> you know what it was like then, right? So it was all shoulder pads. And, yeah, I know. And it is still a bit like that. Um, but now... People People come with a lot of information. In fact, they come with too much information and there's a lot of fear. 
and there's also a lot of expectation and they're very people are very used to trying and working harder at something and then achieving it but fertility isn't like that so there's a lot of panic they read a lot of stuff on on the internet and people panic really quickly mm. um so a lot of my time is sort of trying to to manage that so that's one of the ways i create safety is through the through all the mind stuff and i have an online program that you get delivered something every day yeah. Lots of people say when they do my program, they stop going on Google, they stop going on the chat yes. rooms, they stop going yeah. and they stop exposing themselves to all the fear. Very interesting. And yeah. what about going through IVF? Do, yeah. you, do you do a lot of hand-holding? I know you work with Lister Hospital and yeah. you work with various consultants there. How does that work? Yeah, so people have acupuncture throughout their IVF cycle at certain stages. Um, so I'm, I don't know how much you know about um, IVF, but you have to take drugs to stimulate yes. the ovaries. So during that phase, we would use acupuncture to increase the blood flow to the ovaries um, to help... Um, to help stimulate the follicles when they're yes. growing. Um, so in IVF, you stimulate the ovaries to produce multiple follicles. And from the, those follicles, they collect the eggs and they put the eggs together in a Petri dish with the sperm. Um, there's a lot of stress for people because imagine. you have to get around every single stage. It is an easier process than it used to be. When I first started out, women would have black and blue bellies because the, the administration of the drugs was much harder. Now they have those brilliant EpiPens, um, and, and so it's mu it is much easier in that way. But it's not easier psychologically. Mm. You still have to get through every stage. And that's, you know, again, it's that mm. you're going into a clinic. It's not particularly nurturing or nourishing. No. It's very medical. Something that is a, a very emotional subject is dealt with in a very medical way. No criticism to the medical profession. They're doing their job. They're sure. putting the sperm and the eggs together. What it is, yeah. But I just think that, that marrying it with some holistic hand-holding and feeling, cultivating those feelings of safety really helps. Mm. And I know that they come with me and, that, and they have time. And they feel cared for and looked after. Mm. And so I use acupuncture at various different phases. Um, we have um, online IVF support programs. So again, they get delivered the sort of positive messaging throughout. Mm. Yeah, and I think it really helps. And do you work with women who've had early onset hysterectomies, for example, or who've had to go through cancer treatment and are you know risking future fertility and want to try and protect that? Yeah, um, I tend to see um, women who are wanting to preserve uh, fertility through um, cancer treatment. So obviously when you start cancer treatment, you're going to have to often take chemotherapy um, and that may impact on your long-term fertility. So medic, medical profession is getting much better at offering where appropriate and that it's not going to advance the cancer, um, women to have take steps to preserve their fertility. So often they might freeze their eggs prior to doing um, the harsh treatments like chemotherapy, which may or may not leave you infertile. I mean, some women are fine, but yes. some, many women aren't. Um, and so they'll come to me for sort of holistic support through that. And also, of course, some women come to me and they, they've had premature ovarian failure or they've had um, 
yeah, they've had menopause, early menopause. Yes. And so they're having to look at other routes to become a parent. So either yeah. surrogacy or um, egg donation, things like that. So I do a lot of support around that. Gosh, so complicated, it isn't is it? complicated. And I think what I've learned over the years through writing about menopause and perimenopause, the time you know leading up to that, is that during our 40s, we're likely to be perimenopausal. Yeah. And even sometimes in our late 30s, mid to late 30s, depending on our hormones. And that might be the time when you're, you know, you've got that last attempt, last ditch attempt thinking, you know, I'm, I'm desperate for a baby. I've, I've waited so long. And yet our hormones are also blurred with declining estrogen levels. Yeah. Do you do you help women in that situation? Yeah, for sure. I see women like that. And I used to see mo- loads more because I used to see more women in their 40s. Thankfully, now women are coming to me earlier but you know the other day I had somebody who was 32 who had premature ovarian failure that was really sad you know yeah because you're having to talk to her about egg donation and that's not a conversation they necessarily thought they were going to have so she wouldn't be able to have children on her own but she could use her egg in a surrogate is that how that works yeah and we don't 100% know because she hasn't her perhaps her her periods may start up again right so it's it's no Unfortunately, science is never absolute, and you, you mm. sort of, I think we think that it's, you know, really textbook, but it's not. It's yeah. so, there's so many grey areas. So, you know, she may well, I've ha- I had a patient once actually who was told that she was menopausal, and we did some treatment with her, and her periods came back, um, and she managed to conceive naturally. And that, that's, I mean, that's happened more than once. Yes. Um, I actually had a woman who came to see me. She didn't come and see me to have a baby or for her periods or anything. She just came to see me for her menopause. And her period came back at 53, one period she had. Gosh. Her doctor wrote to me and said, are you giving my my patient hormones? Hormones, yeah. And I said, no, it's just the rejuvenating power of acupuncture. <laughs> <laughs> so, but she was she pleased another. to get her period no, back? She was, I'm not well, sure she I'd be entirely uh, thrilled. She, she wasn't, uh, but she was just like, Wow. Um, and so that happens all the time. I mean, yeah. when you increase the blood flow to the ovaries and you stimulate the ovaries, you improve the ovarian function. Mm-hmm. In some cases, it depends. It always depends how deviated from normal function you are as to how successful any of these things can be. And, you know, we know medicine is, itself isn't 100 percent successful. Nothing is. So, um, we, you know, we don't always get success, but sometimes we have absolute miracles. Amazing. And sometimes it looks like it should be really, really easy and and you know we get nowhere and then it doesn't work how important are things like eating disorders and eating issues for younger women when it comes to fertility later in life gosh yeah I mean I think that's really important and I think there's there's a there's a lot of there's a lot of illness being set up in terms of osteoporosis and things sure. like that. And I, th- I think it is a big issue. I mean, Can you recover it if you've had an eating disorder when you're younger? Does it leave good, you? Yeah, deficient. Deficient. In some yeah. cases, yes, it can lead, lead you. Really? Yeah. Even some, if you get your eating back on track? Yes, it depends again. It depends yeah. on the individual. Yeah. Because maybe if their starting point was already quite depleted or, or their, their constitution, as we call it, mm. and then they have an eating disorder and then that spirals you know into it can spiral into a men, mental emotional thing so it, it really depends I think it can cause irreparable damage I think thankfully in most cases it doesn't yeah um but it's yes. such a worry isn't it as a mother of, of two girls especially you know you know you think yeah. how can we best protect them I mean thankfully I haven't had to, to to work through that but I know of many other people who have yes really really tough 
And I guess the sooner you can address it, the better. Yeah, and I think that that modern society doesn't help with all the comparing, comparing, you know, and and Instagram and and all of that that stuff of this idea of perfection. So Mm. I talk a lot about that in my programs. And Mm. in fact, I have created, which isn't out yet, but I'll let you know when it is. And maybe I'll come back and talk about it. Love that. It's called Becoming Fertile and it's for younger women. And it's, um, it really talks about all aspects. So it talks about your body, it talks about um, nutrition, it talks about emotions and, and spirituality as well. And it's this idea about not, you know, collaborating instead of competing. And these are all my sort of fertile messages, really. So my children have had it rammed down their throats. So they'll either go one I, way or the I, other. I, I love that about fertile living. Now, when I yeah. came to see you in your clinic in, in Chelsea, you know, I, I was, it was a crazy time because we had lots and lots of people there and it was, it's small, but perfectly formed all these beautiful pictures of, of babies and, and success stories all over the wall. But I lay down on a bed of crystals yeah, and I just had the most relaxing half hour I think I've had in a long, long time. It was probably one of the most unrelaxing half hours I've ever had because <laughs> we messed up appointments and everything. Anyway, yes, it was crazy. And I was like, here she is, my hero. And I'm like, like uh, a whirling dervish. <laughs> no, it was great. And the crystals did help to soothe. But, yeah. you know, that those are sort of bordering on the, the, more, yeah. the, the more woo-woo. Yeah, de- and definitely, you know. look, I promise you, for years I was like, we were medically less, supervised, everything yeah. we do is research-based. I turned 50 last year. And, you know, I just thought... I've earned the right to have a crystal bed. If, if you I want, want to go it. and learn your crystals, yeah. you're jolly well going to go exactly. and do it. And I just thought, I have, if I can't be out now. <laughs> so um, I definitely, I, I agree with you, but I do think that they are potent, very condensed form of, of energy. And the, the crystal light therapy is interesting because it's um, because there's a lot coming through about light therapy and the pineal gland. Absolutely, there is yeah. on a scientific level too. Yeah, on a scientific and and that's what really makes me tick. And so I'm very open. I I like to look at the uh, uh, how the worlds marry. So I think spirituality and science, for example, are becoming nearer and nearer. Um, it's interesting to me that a lot of the things that Chinese medicine have said for centuries doctors come to me now and they say we know how acupuncture works and I say oh good I'm really happy for you (laughs) Chinese have known how it worked for ages but you know this and this sort of whole idea of medicine that's coming through at the moment which we call differential diagnosis which they call individualized treatments hello it's just the language yes exactly and and that has always been a part of those old systems and those systems existed look science is amazing absolutely amazing but it is the teenager you know it is the teenager that thinks it knows everything and I have greatest respect for my you know the scientists that I work with we refer to each other we work together but some of this old stuff is really really important you know Mm. some of the stuff about that they said about the mind and meditation yeah you know I recently went to a center and I I was meditating for, for seven seven hours a day I, I went to places in my mind that and, and learned about things like surrender and things like that, which like are life changing. Yeah. So so I think we have to for me, it's love it all. You know, like it, it, don't make a judgment about something unless you've tried it. Um, and all of these things can be helpful at different times. I think it's about knowing how to use them and finding out what's right for you. 
Wonderful. That's a very positive note to end on. Thank you so much, Emma. Really lovely to have you here. That is all we have time for today. But don't forget, we will put all the notes from this episode up on lizarwellbeing.com, where you will also find further resources and the chance to sign up for our free weekly newsletter, which comes to your inbox every Friday, should you so wish. So until the next time we chat, go well, love and surrender. Bye-bye. everyone, it's Jen and Jess from the beauty podcast, Fat Mascara, here to talk about Sol de Janeiro. So many of the beauty experts we interview on our show say that the key to great skin is to treat every inch of your body with the same attention you give your face. One of our favorite ways to do that is with Sol de Janeiro's Beja Flor Elastic Cream, a rich body cream that's clinically proven to boost collagen and has been shown to improve skin crepiness on the chest in just two weeks. Plus, it's scented with Sol de Janeiro's Charosta 68 fragrance. Sol de Janeiro is offering you 10% off your first order on soldejanero.com and free shipping with the code ACAST10. That's S-O-L D-E-J-A-N-E-I-R-O soldajanero.com and use the code ACAST10 for 10% off.